in a minute. Let me bring you greetings from Dan Harrison, our pastor. I was with him a couple of weeks ago in Washington, D.C. at our biennial meeting of Converge Worldwide. Lori, he and his two boys uh, went out to lunch with me at the Boston Chicken Restaurant. He wrote me an email that next week and said, Lou, that was the highlight of the biennial meeting, meeting with you. He always tells me I'm the worst church member he's ever had. And I tell him, please keep uh, cashing those tithe checks. And then he changes his mind. He also stuck me with the bill. I was not impressed. Uh, but even his boys say he's the cheapest guy they know. I'm so glad he's not like that when he's the pastor. He showers us with grace and all of the things that he's required to do. We're just grateful that he's our pastor. And I'm so glad I've been a part of this church for 13 years. I can't believe it, but God is so good to us. I pastored three churches. The first church was Sherwood Drive Free Methodist Church in Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada. I was going to seminary. And uh, while we were in seminary, we were asked to pastor this church part-time with another fellow, E.H. Childerhost. Uh, it was a great church, uh, uh, except for one little thing. They had a picture on the back wall where you walked out of the sanctuary, and it spooked me out, because every time I'd go back there and look at the face, it looked like the eyes of Jesus were watching you. And then what really spooked me out, if you look at this picture here, uh, it was just a little bit different than that. The lamb was on his shoulders, and he carried the lamb, and uh, that crazy lamb would follow you around. And I think to myself, I tell those, those elders at that church, let's get rid of that picture, but oh no! Uh, they wanted to keep it, and so we had to put up with it the years we pastored that that particular picture. It's a famous one, isn't it? The, this one is from a cathedral in Europe, and uh, just showing Jesus as the great shepherd. And uh, as I look at that picture, I, I remember reading many years ago, nobody knows who the author is, uh, this little paragraph, One night a man had a dream. He dreamed he was walking along the beach with the Lord. Across the sky flashed scenes from his life. For each scene, he noticed two sets of footprints in the sand. One belonged to him and the other to the Lord. And when the last scene of his life flashed before him, he looked back at the footprints in the sand. He noticed that many times along the path of life, there was only one set of footprints. He also noticed that it happened at the very lowest and saddest times in his life. This really bothered him, and he questioned the Lord about it. Lord, you said that once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I have noticed that at the worst times in my life, there is only one set of footprints. How could you leave me when I needed you the most? And the Lord replied, My precious, precious child, I love you and would never leave you. During your times of suffering, and when you see only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. And I think that that's what David was reflecting upon when Dan told me that we were having a series on the book of Psalms. I called him right that day and I said, Dan, I want Psalm 23. I don't know how many times I've been in memorial funeral services and heard a preacher preach from Psalm 23. What was David thinking when he wrote that psalm? He was an old man when he penned this psalm. And his mind went back to those experiences of being a shepherd in the hills around Jerusalem and Judea. And as he shepherded those sheep, he remembered the lessons that he had learned in life and all the storms and mountains and issues and circumstances that he had to face 
as the king, he realized that he was just a sheep and that he needed to be an obedient lamb before the great shepherd, God. And so he penned this psalm, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Thou hast prepared a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou hast anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lord Jesus, we pray this morning as You attend Your Word by Your Holy Spirit, that You would help us become obedient sheep. Lord, uh, You've told us in Psalm 100 that You are the one that has made us. You are, we are Your people. We are the sheep of Your pasture. And we pray, O oh God, that this morning we might respond like obedient sheep. Lord, we pray that as we look at the Psalm of David that You would speak to us, encourage us, challenge us to be the people of God in this place. Now, Lord, help us to hear from You. Help us to sense Your purpose and power in our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, for His sake, Amen. When I preach mission messages, I've often gone to Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, and seeing the multitudes, He felt compassion for them because they were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. That's what Jesus said when He looked at the world and the circumstances that He found Himself in as He would go from village to village preaching the gospel of the good news. And He would say the people are like sheep without a shepherd. And David experienced the same thing in his own life, and he wrote that Psalm 23 saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There's four lessons we can learn this morning. Uh, David telling us in point one, the great shepherd brings hope. The great shepherd brings hope. We need God to be our shepherd. We need the hope that He brings to us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Let's not make any mistake here this morning, our God is a great God. Somebody say amen. Yeah, amen belongs there. When you're preaching to white people at Springbrook Community Church, you got to tell them where amen belongs. And amen belongs there. Our God is a great God. And David understood that. He knew that. He experienced it firsthand. When he faced the giants in his life, he told King Saul how great our God is. And if you turn with me to first. Samuel chapter 17, you see it so clearly, at ver beginning at verse 37, when he, confronted with Goliath, said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, He will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be with you. 
May God be with you in 1 Samuel 17 when he had to face that giant. We all face giants in our lives. There are bears and lions everywhere. And we need to learn to trust God to be able to deliver us uh, from those things that so often make us fall. No job? God can help you with it. No money? God can provide it. Huh? Don't have a spouse that loves you the way they should? God can take care of it. If you and I will thrust ourselves into the hands of God as obedient sheep, God will take care of every issue in life. <laughs> uh, I told the earlier service this morning, I faced those giants in my own life. At the age of four, my mother died of cancer. Uh, Daddy got afraid and believed that he had had a hand in killing my wife, and so he abandoned us into the care of our grandparents, deaf-mute people, I told them this morning that I never heard my grandpa ever say my name. And yet I knew deep down in my heart that he loved me. And then one day, uh, Daddy came and told Grandpa that he was taking us to the movies. Uh, but he lied. Uh, he was kidnapping us. Uh, you didn't call it that in the 50s. He was my father. He took us away. And there we lived with him with a stepmom and some other kids uh, that became brothers and sister. And I thought of my life, who was it that would love me? Who would take care of me? I felt like an outcast, somebody that had not had anybody care for me in my young life. And then in 1959, uh, Grandpa had taken me to a kids club at First Baptist Church called Ontario. And in that kids club, they gave me a Bible. And in the Bible, they wrote my name and my birth date. And I always wondered, why did they give me that Bible? And I found out that that church was in the habit of giving Bibles to children that made commitments to the Lord our God. <laughs> and I realized, even though I didn't sense it completely or understand everything that was going on, was that God was in my life and that He would take care of my life every step of the way. It didn't matter what it was that men said or did, uh, but that God was in my life and that I could trust Him. Uh, it's the great God of heaven that brings us hope. He brings us hope through Jesus Christ, that Jesus was the one that came and died for us on the cross of Calvary, that we might have the forgiveness of our sins. <laughs> this week I was on the computer and I happened to go to YouTube and I looked at that fellow that, uh, in Denmark that jumped into the, the den of the bear at the Denmark Zoo and the big brown bear took after him and uh, started to bite him. And I thought, that's not a good place to be in a den with a bear. <laughs> And then and I remembered the story of my friend Craig Kilpatrick. He, he and I became Royal Canadian Mounted Policemen together. He was six foot six, red hair, and he had freckles all over his body. It never dawned on me that our lives would be related together because when I became the pastor of that church at Free, Sherwood Drive Free Methodist Church, his mom and daddy were in the congregation, and I learned about Craig's life. And one day he sent an email to his folks and said, Share this with. Pastor Lou, he was a policeman in British Columbia. A lady called and said, there's a bear in my backyard. Help! And so Craig was the one that responded. When he got out of the car, the bear was 40 feet up a tree. He didn't know what to do, so he took out his shotgun and he fired around up into the tree and the bear came tumbling down. But to his surprise, when it hit the ground, it jumped up and chased after him. And he thought to myself, what am I going to do? And he looked at his shotgun. His shotgun was jammed. He said, I'm so grateful God gave me the shakes. 
He says, I shook so hard that I unjammed the gun. And when I pulled the trigger the second time, the barrel was in the mouth of the bear. <laughs> David must have felt like a little boy when the bear and the lion came after one of his sheep. And God, the great God of heaven, gave him the power to be able to defeat the bear. I tell you what, God can give you the power and the grace to overcome anything in your life. And then as a young pastor, I remember getting this little poem. The preacher, he went a-riding on one Saturday morn. According to this tale is told, he started out in the corn. He scared up one dozen partridges on a morning which was so fair. He got down the road a little further, and he spied a big grizzly bear. Well, that bear stood up and that horse did buck, and the preacher dropped to his knees. He got so excited that he climbed up Way in those trees, the parson stayed up in that tree. I think it was all night. Then he cast his eyes up to the Lord. And these are the words he said, Oh Lord, didn't you deliver Daniel from the lion's den? And also brother Jonah from the belly of the whale. And didn't you save multitudes from starving with a fish and a loaf of bread? Oh Lord, please my life to spare. But Lord, if you can't help me... Please don't help that bear. <laughs> and sometimes we need help from God, and He's the one that wants us to call to Him. Now the God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do His will, working in us that which is pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, that God gave His Son, Jesus Christ, as the great shepherd of the sheep, the one that was brought up from the dead, so that you and I can experience that life, that we can have the hope that we need to be able to face any circumstance that this old life might throw at us. And then the second point is not just the great shepherd brings hope, but the gentle shepherd bestows health. The gentle shepherd bestows health. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. From greatness to gentleness. Isn't that like our God? That He's willing and able to be able to nurture us and encourage us to provide us everything that we need in life to be able to serve Him and to bring Him glory. I get to preach in the craziest places. One time, Linda and I were invited to go to Kelowna, British Columbia. Who knows where Kelowna is? Who wants to know? Who cares, right? Kelowna, British Columbia is where German Baptist people go to die. <laughs> it's full of Baptists, that town. And uh, right by that town, if you don't know Kelowna, you know the other famous part, Okanagan Lake. And there in Okanagan Lake lives the big sea monster uh, that uh, tradition tells us was from prehistoric days. And on the shores of that lake is the Green Bay Bible Camp. And I was the guest speaker that weekend. The MC invited people from the congregation to share their testimony. I'll never forget that little girl, Brenda, as long as I live. She came forward. She had papers in her hands. When we got the papers, she asked if we could hand them out. And so we handed them out. They were pictures of a young woman 
that was severely beaten about the head. You could tell the bones had been broken in her face. She had a hump on her back, like the hunchback of Notre Dame. She was hunched over like this. The girl began to speak. She told the congregation that she met a man that had AIDS. He was so angry about having AIDS that he would beat this woman unmercifully. And then when the woman thought she was at the end of her life, she had a baby. She took the baby home with formula. She was going to lay the baby in the crib. And then she was going to lay on her bed. And she was going to beg God to die. As she was fooling with the lock, she couldn't get the key in with the baby and the formula in her hand. And the door across the hall opened up and two elderly people stuck their head out the door. They said to Brenda, Brenda, we are praying for you. (laughs) We are praying for you. And Brenda took her little baby, laid it in the crib, gave it the bottle, and then she went to lay down on her bed to die without hope and without health, without anybody in this whole world to be concerned about her, but two elderly people that could only tell her that they were going to pray for her. And when she laid on the bed, she thought to herself, is there really a God in heaven? And does He care for me? And she begged God for a miracle in her life. And lo and behold, The girl that was speaking to us was the girl that was in the picture. God healed her face and her body. God took away the hump. God gave her a renewed life because our God can. And He wants to meet your need this morning. He wants to give us health. He wants to give us hope. He wants us to be the people of God. The sheep of His pasture. And the Bible tells us that there are other sheep that need to hear about who God is, that He was willing to give His life on the cross of Calvary before He became the great shepherd. Do you know who He was? He was the Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the earth, so that you and I might have the gift of eternal life, that His life might become our life, that His hope might become our hope, that His grace might be our grace. The Bible says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, It is the gift of God. And the only reason we get a gift is so that we can give it to someone else. That they too might hear about the Christ who is willing to die for them. Oh, there's a great shepherd. Aren't you glad this morning? There's a great shepherd that brings us hope. (laughs) But there's a gentle shepherd. The Bible says like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arm he will gather the lambs and carry them in His bosom, He will gently lead the nursing ewes. What He did for Brenda, He can do for you. Uh, Even what He did for Craig the policeman and stopping that bear, He'll do for you. No matter what giant is in your life, no matter what issue is in your life, no matter how big the mountains are, there's a God in heaven that cares for you. I'm so sad about America today. I haven't seen America like this. America's the land of opportunity. It's the land of great hope. And yet we're trusting others to take care of our problems when there's a God in heaven that wants to answer our prayers today. He wants us to trust Him. He's looking for people. Just like here at Springbrook would say, 
Our God is a great God. He is the one that can meet our every need. He's the one that can provide us the jobs and the people that we need in our lives so that others might come to know Christ in a loving and living way. The great shepherd brings us hope. The gentle shepherd gives us, bestows health upon us. But there's a third point here. It's so clear when we see it. It says the good shepherd brokers help. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou hast anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. The Bible says, I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down His life for the sheep. And that was the mission of Jesus, to lay down His life when we were helpless. He came and gave the help that was needed. And there's my famous, my favorite verses in the book of Romans are found in Romans chapter 5. Listen to what it says. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the right time God died for the ungodly. For Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates His own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. (laughs) And we're so grateful that He did. None of us would be able to come into the presence of God the Father without the Christ. The one that when we were helpless, He came and helped. And He was the one that provided what it was that we needed in our lives. (laughs) When I pastored that Free Methodist Church there in in Saskatchewan during the seminary days, I was... I wasn't, uh, I guess I was long-winded in those days. Linda and I were always the last ones out of the church. We had our girls. And uh, every once in a while, God would bless us with a gift, and we'd be able to go to Ponderosa or Bonanza. We were big spenders in those days. (laughs) And uh, we'd get into that restaurant, and one Sunday I was sitting there, and Linda was dealing with the girls, and, and I was just pondering life and eating my dinner. And there, out of the corner of my eye, there was nobody left in the restaurant. We were the last ones. There was one other man, and uh, he was going from table to table, and he was eating the scraps off of the table. And while I was sitting there, God spoke to me. He said, Lou, you buy that man a steak dinner. And I brushed it off, and Linda got the girls ready, and then we went out onto the sidewalk, and God spoke to me again and said, Lou, go back. Speak to that man and buy him a dinner. And I got into the car. We got the girls all buckled in. And finally I said to Linda, Linda, I can't, I can't go. I, I have to go back into the restaurant. And I turned around and I went back into the only door in the Ponderosa restaurant. When I went in, the man wasn't there. I went into the men's washroom. I looked under the cubicles. You do that, don't you? (laughs) And I thought, maybe he was in there. But he wasn't there. I came back out to Linda and I sat at the 
wheel, and I put my head down and I cried because I knew that I missed an opportunity to do good to somebody. You see, I believe the Bible when it says in John chapter 10, verse 10, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. You say, Lou, where do you get that from? I got it from the living in the above the fruit store and having to go into the backyard and the alley and dig the rotten fruit out so my brothers and sister could have something to eat. I got it from going from door to door, knocking at the door, begging the women in Kitchener, Ontario, do you have any food that I can take home? Daddy was an alcoholic. He drank up everything. There was nothing in the house. And I became a beggar. Friends, listen to me. Not every beggar out there deserves your attention. But I tell you what, when God speaks to you about giving something to someone, it's for a reason that they might have an opportunity. Maybe to hear the reason why you're giving that gift. Because Jesus Christ brokered your health and hope and salvation on the cross of Calvary with the Heavenly Father so that forgiveness and redemption might be a gift that you could receive so that we could share it with someone else. (laughs) One time I was in Miami, I was telling the boys, and I related that story of going into the Ponderosa restaurant. And just when I was telling them, a Jamaican man came up and had a flower, a necklace, and he says, I I don't want to appear like I'm begging. He said, but I'm willing to do an exchange. I'll give you these flowers if you buy me a meal. And I thought it was a scam. And I looked at the boys. I'd just been telling them the stories. We were making our way to the car. And as I took a step, the boys turned around and looked back at me. And I said, boys, I can't go another step. i got to go back to that man. I heard his voice again. And I went back and I saw the man a half a mile away. And I yelled out, Jamaica! <laughs> and the guy heard me. And we came back. I said, do you eat fajitas? He said, sure. And I took him to the restaurant and I bought him a fajita on the, on the Miami shore. And while we were eating, he grabbed my hand. He smelled like a sheep. <laughs> he looked like a sheep with his hair. And he grabbed my hand and he said, Pastor Lou, I want you to know I'm a born-again Christian. He said, I'm just down on my luck. I said, man. What if I would have missed the opportunity to do good to the household of God? That wouldn't have been right. That you and I need to learn how to broker what it is that the Good Shepherd did for us. The Good Shepherd always lays down His life for the sheep. And I get to go to the craziest places. There I was in Jerusalem. And... There in the Holy Land, Linda, my wife, didn't want to come with me. And then when she got home, she said, Lou, that was amazing. She said, it's just like out of the Bible, seeing the shepherds on the hills and seeing the sheep and everything and all the words of Scripture coming back to her. And I said, yes. And then I read the story of the tourist that was in Jerusalem. And as they were driving down the roads, a flock of sheep was being driven across the road. Not led, but driven. And he asked the bus driver, wait a minute, i got to go talk to that man with the sheep. So he went over to the man and he said, Sir, you're driving the sheep. The Bible says that the shepherd leads the sheep. It gives his life for the sheep. The man says, That's right, but you see, I'm not the shepherd. I'm the butcher. 
And the devil comes into our life to try to destroy us. To try to separate us from the flock. And God's call to us this morning is to be obedient sheep. To allow God to have His rule and reign in your life and in my life. That we might trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. And then, the good shepherd brokers help. The gentle shepherd bestows health. The great shepherd brings hope. But the fourth and the final point is, the glorious shepherd builds a home. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's not a house. A house is an empty building. When we all get the glory, it's going to be a full house. It's going to be a home. It's going to be the place where we dwell. It's going to be the great shepherd leading us and guiding us and directing us. It's going to be King Jesus on the, on the throne begging us to be a part of the great glory that is His. He shares it with us freely. What a tremendous opportunity to be able to be with God for eternity because of what He has done for us on the cross of Calvary. To allow us to partner with Him to be able to do the things that God has asked us to do. (laughs) I've been a pastor of three churches. (laughs) The Sherwood Drive Free Methodist Church, then the First Baptist Church Minot, the Historical Baptist Church up there. And then also Melville Baptist Church in Melville, Saskatchewan. I dealt with some strange people. <laughs> you can't imagine how they raise them up in Saskatchewan. You probably haven't met anybody from Saskatchewan. Well, here was Emily and Lloyd Taylor, English people. Emily, every time I was with her, I'd, she'd tell you, she'd say, Pastor, lose by pastor. But every time I was with her, she ministered to me. She was that kind of a woman. She just loved God and she loved Jesus. And then I left and came to Chicago, and after a couple of years they called me back to come preach. I heard that Emily was in the hospital, and she was dying of cancer. I thought, boy, before I go to preach, i got to go up and see Emily. So I got to the Plains Hospital Center and went up the elevator, and when I poked my head in the room, there was a man in a white uniform sitting on the bed. It was the surgeon, the doctor. He was there to tell Emily that she was going to die. I didn't know it at the time, but that's what he was doing. Emily sensed that there was somebody standing at the door. <laughs> I was her pastor for five years. She paid me the greatest compliment that I've ever been paid in my life. She turned her head around the doctor. And she looked and she said, Oh, I'm sorry, doctor. My pastor's here. I can die now. My pastor's here. <laughs> I can die now. You know what the word pastor is in the Greek? It's the word shepherd. <laughs> Dan, our pastor, is a wonderful shepherd. (laughs) You know, sometimes some of us stink like sheep, and Dan still loves us, (laughs) doesn't he? And Dan has poured out his life for this church, just like the chief shepherd would want him to do. The Bible says, pastor or shepherd the sheep as under God. You and I have a wonderful privilege. Oh yeah, we could remain sheep. But friends, listen to me. God wants some of us to be shepherds. Whether it's in ladies' Bible study or in small group or in Sunday school or a wanna club, He's calling for some of us to respond to the call of God and to become 
those shepherds that this church needs. I get to go to the craziest places. Last week I was in Becker, Minnesota. <laughs> I thought that must be the land of sheep and goats. <laughs> it wasn't. But I met one sheep there. An older man came up to me and shook my hand. He said, Dr. Petrie, my claim to fame is that I was baptized in Chicago in 1960-something by A.W. Tozer. Now, those of you who don't know who A.W. Tozer is, you need to go on the Internet and find out. He was one of the great pastors in Chicago and Toronto, wrote many, many, many books. And this is what he said about being a sheep and a shepherd. When I wrote it down and I thought about it, yeah, I said, yes, yes, this, this is from God. Listen to what it says. The footprint of the obedient sheep is always found within the larger footprint of the shepherd. What? The footprint of the obedient sheep is always found within the larger footprint of the shepherd. Then I found this little poem. One night, I had a wondrous dream. One set of footprints there was seen. The footprints of my precious Lord. But mine were not along the shore. But then some stranger prince appeared, and I asked the Lord, What have we here? Those prints are large and round and neat. But Lord, they're too big for feet. My child, he said in somber tones, For miles I carried you alone. I challenged you to walk in faith, but you refused and made me wait. You disobeyed. You would not grow. The walk of faith you would not know. So I got tired and fed up, and there I dropped you on your butt. (laughs) Because in life, there comes a time when one must fight and one must climb, when one must rise and take a stand, or leave their butt prints in the sand. Leaving our butt prints in the sand. You know what? I guess I've done that. Haven't you? But friends, it's great to hear the voice of God. And the Bible says that the true sheep hear the voice of the shepherd. And when we respond to the call of God to be the kind of people that God wants us to be. Did I tell you what the Greek word for pastor was? It's the word shepherd. That you and I pastor one another, shepherd one another, encourage one another. Brethren, listen to me. Springbrook Community Church has a ton of needs in terms of people standing up and responding and being a part of the ministry here. It just doesn't happen by accident. But it happens because we listen to the voice of the shepherd. That we get involved so that other people might have the opportunity to hear about the Christ. That our church would be full ten times on Sunday because people will say... "Uh, There's a flock that I need to be a part of. There's a shepherd's voice that I need to hear. There's a ministry I need to be a part of. Can you hear him this morning? He's calling us. He's calling us. And when he calls us, he equips us. And when he equips us, he uses us if we'll be obedient sheep. If we'll be willing to give hope to those that need hope. To share health, spiritual health with those people that are sick. And that we'd be able to give help uh, when we're asked. And then... One day, all gathered together in the sweet by and by on that great day when we all fly away to be in that heavenly home with our great shepherd. And there's a verse, there's a prayer up there on the screen. And then another verse. 
Next one. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun beat down on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb in the center of the throne shall be their shepherd, and shall guide them to springs of the water of life. And God shall wipe every tear away from their eyes. Somebody say Amen. Amen. Lord, we thank You for this morning. Thank You that You are our great Shepherd, the gentle Shepherd, the good Shepherd, the glorious Shepherd. And we pray, God, that You might speak to us this morning, challenge us to be obedient sheep, help us to respond to Your grace and goodness. And Lord, may You receive all the glory and honor due Your name. We pray it in the name of Jesus for His sake. And God's people said, Amen. Amen.